It takes a lot of hard work to make it look easy. This Mother's Day, Duluth Trading Co. can help you give her something that keeps up. Whether you prefer to shop online or in-store, Duluth has a motherload of gear, goods, and gifts to keep her comfortable and capable, no matter what needs doing. With Duluth's problem-solving details and legendary durability to boot, you'll finally be mom's favorite again. Check out DuluthTrading.com for all your Mother's Day gifting needs. Hi, I'm going to whisper some things to you now about Crunch Chocolate Bars, because apparently this whispering thing is a thing that makes you feel things. It's saying something crunchy is coming in the candy wrapper language. Mm. Imagine your tongue hiking up those crispy, rocky ridges. Now, drum roll, please. Wow, that's good. Crunchy, munchy chocolate doesn't whisper. Turn up the fun with Crunch. Hello, I'm Josh Whittacombe. And I'm Rob Beckett. Welcome to Lockdown Parenting Hell. The show in which Rob and I discuss what it's like to be a parent during lockdown, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, in an effort to make some kind of sense of the current situation... And to make me feel better about my increasingly terrible parenting skills... Each episode will be chatting to a famous parent about how well they're coping. Or hopefully not. And we will be hearing from you, the listener, with your tales of lockdown parenting woe. Because, let's be honest, none of us know what we're doing. Hello, and you are listening to Lockdown Parenting Hell with... Can you say Josh Widdicombe? And Rob Beckett. Rob Beckett. Oh, that was Finley Turner, two and a half, living in Alderney, Channel Islands. Bloody hell. Wow. God, I didn't know they could speak. Good on you, Finley. <laughs> Popular across the pond. <laughs> where, where is the Channel Islands? Where, where the Channel is Islands is off the south coast. It's like Guernsey and Jersey and stuff. Oh, where it? Matt Letizia is from. It's where Matt Letizia is from. All, that's exactly. all I've got. Graham yeah. Matt Letizia. Stop. That's it. Oh, my God. This place, Alderney, this place is so small. It must just be Finley in there. <laughs> I just Googled it. He can't, he can't live there. Go on, give me some facts about Alderney, Rob. Alderney, right. Uh, it is so little, mate. It hasn't even got a Wikipedia. Oh, yeah, here we go. Elevation, zero. <laughs> is this his top trump that you're reading out? Uh, part of Guernsey. It is three miles long and a mile and a half wide. God, you could fall off that. Oh my that's God. so that's that's so small. It's like Paddy McGuinness's back garden. <laughs> I don't know. Absolutely the most ITV joke I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it's, I don't know who's got a bigger ass than that. Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart. It's probably as big as Rod Stewart's garden. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna have a go at me for making kind of dated references, to go for Rod Stewart <laughs> is quite. A... It's uh, what's your population? Population two thousand people. Blimey, that is small. That is. Small, isn't it? So that, that's Finley Turner there, and that was sent in by his brother, mum, and dad. Wow, <laughs> all the same person. <laughs> that is amazing to think that that is 025 percent of the whole of Alderney have oh sent my in. God. That he's the voice of Alderney that. we've had on it. Thank you very much, Finley Turner. Yeah, thank you. Um, and thanks, Benjamin Turner, for sending it in. Um, it looks beautiful, if if small, but I imagine you're allowed to like jump on a boat to the other islands, go into the mainland for a big night out. Yeah, tough though, isn't it? Getting back. Getting there's oh, all yeah. right, but... Missing the last boat. How far are they from shore? Um, it's quite... It's really close to France. 
Is it? It feels like it should be French, but I don't want to get bogged down in some sort of old war. No, 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 no. Let's not get involved in that, mate. <laughs> like that time we got an email from the Falkland Islands and you gave your views on that, Oh, yeah. It did, ooh, did not end well, did it? That did not um, end well. Josh, I'm not, on, I'm not firing on full cylinders. I am no, so no, tired. It's fine. The clocks going back is an absolute disgrace. And I think... If it's I was involved insane. in government, the only thing I'd care about is whenever the farmers wanted anything, I go, you can have whatever you want as long as you don't fuck about with the clocks. Is it the farmers? They're, they're always blaming the farmers. Obviously, I understand that, you know, farming is a very important thing. Is it? It can't just be for the <laughs> farmers, can it? Oh, just get a torch! We've it's got electric! One, it's only one of the jobs. I know, but all these poor kids going to school, coming home from school, if they do like, you know, they get like kids leaving school at four o'clock after an after school club, walking home in the dark. Surely it's more dangerous than giving cows some food early doors, isn't it? <laughs> you can't just, I mean, it can't just be the farmers. You can't go, oh, why are the clocks going forward? Oh, the solicitors want it. Like, it's yeah. just not a way it works. <laughs> it's for the farmers. Also, why do you need to feed cows? Surely just grass does it, doesn't it? What more do they need? Well, they need milking, do they? But can you do that in the dark? Surely there's light. No one's milking 5am. Surely. That's a midday job, isn't it? They do get up early, don't they, farmers? But Why? I don't know. I don't know. I think if you want to start a movement, right, I reckon... Yeah, which I don't. Ross, Ross Kemp is well on board with this. He put it in Room 101 when I did that with him. Did he? Yeah. And he, was, he didn't put it in for, like, jokey reasons. It was almost like... <laughs> no, I don't right. think he's ever done anything for jokey reasons. <laughs> I'm behind enemy lines. Right laugh, isn't it? <laughs> um, but he is very anti it, and it's just, it ruins your kids' routine. That's uh, you, the worst. And then we got it wrong, and we were like, oh, we have to keep them up later, don't we? But no, we, that was the opposite of what we were supposed to do. Because to try and help adjust it, I think if you, I don't know, I don't know what we've done, but no one's it's sleeping. It's so complicated. In It shouldn't be, but the amount I have to think to understand, <laughs> and I'm not bad at maths, but the amount I have to think <laughs> to understand which direction the clocks have gone in and, and what that means for my day. And so I was up at 10 past five on Sunday. But oh was that, te- which should have been 10 past six, shouldn't it? Yes, I but, it, but there's a long day to get through. You're back to 5 a.m. starts because of You're farmers. Back to 5 a.m. starts. All that hard work. I've got a friend who doesn't have kids, Rob. And oh, God, get at, rid, get rid. At midday, he said, uh, I was texting him about something, he said, I didn't even realise the clocks had gone back. I was like, are you, you, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't realise. He didn't realise. Oh, my God. It's such a big deal in parents' lives. That, that, now, as a parent, clocks moving is a bigger deal than New Year's Eve. Yeah. That is, a, that is a more important and more planning goes into clocks going backwards and forwards than a new year. Um, I don't um, go out and why, do that. Why, why, why is it always going in the wrong direction? <laughs> I've, ne- I've never, I don't know it's which one helped, I'm meant to it? enjoy. I'm not sure which I'm meant to enjoy. When I, when I was, when I was uh, working at a supermarket, whenever the clocks change, I'd always go in an hour late, whatever direction yeah, they went in. of course. And then be like, oh, sorry, I didn't know. Even, <laughs> anyway, but surely once you'd come in an hour early. <laughs> Just by chance. <laughs> yeah, you, you'd think, wouldn't you? Um, but yeah, you, you might have to carry me a bit here, Josh. My, my brain. From what time are your kids getting up now, Rob? Well, they're getting, well, it's not just to get, they're waking up loads in the night. I don't know if their house is too hot or too cold. Oh. The pipes were making a noise the other night. That's a new noise that's really loud. From Ghost Watch. That's a 90s reference you're not going to enjoy. <laughs> um, but um, they woke up five times. Between them, oh. the girls woke up five times. Um, Malcolm, because she's got a fingernail coming off. 
um, oh, and we just couldn't be able to off. deal with that. Just yeah, bite, it, bite off. it off. And um, uh, Gavin is that? Um, is, oh my god, I can't even speak, Josh. Gavin, we're trying to get Gavin out of nappies during the night. There's a lot of people who've done panel shows with you have been dreaming of this moment. Oh right? my god, I'm just climbing up. I can't cope. <laughs> just sit back and let um, Sean Lock take over. She wants to no nappy in night. Oh my god, what was that? That one a sentence. She wants it? no nappy at night. Yeah, she wants to go to bed without a nappy on, right? So we said, yeah. if you have a dry nappy for like seven days in a row, you can do that. We're on day five, but what she keeps doing is instead of weaning a nappy or going to the toilet, coming in and going, my nappy's still dry. Oh, what in the middle of the night? Yeah, and oh, then mate. and then is waking up because needs a wee, but won't now. Now she just thinks she's not allowed to wee in the night, and we're like, no, you're allowed to, but just go to the toilet. So she's oh. coming in with that. We've got fingernails. And then the worst part of all is Lou always wakes up before me and has to deal with it because I'm a deeper sleeper. But then what happens is she gets the up with me for not waking up first. And then in yeah. the morning, there's like a row about who's the most tired. And I'm like, yeah, okay, you did action the fingernail and the dry nappy situation. However, I was still woken up five times in the night. If you didn't have kids... And you went to work and you lived on your own and you went in and went, oh, I had a terrible night's sleep. I, I got five times I woke up in the night. People go, oh, God, you must be knackered. That, does, that, that, that conversation yeah. doesn't exist when you've got kids. You just function no. on it. And now I'm, I'm, I'm being like revered in this house of the man that got all the sleep. <laughs> oh, old sleepy, sleepy head over there. I'm like, I've had five hours sleep and I was up every hour. It's one of my favourite fairy tales, The Man That Got All The Sleep. Oh. It's an absolutely <laughs> wonderful story. Oh, sleepyhead over there. Got the, got the sleep out your eyes. I'm in five hours sleep. Go up five times. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're having a good time. Now. Yes, mate. If you want to get in touch, this is how. Email us, hello at lockdownparenting.co.uk or tweet us at lockdownparents or Instagram, lockdown underscore parenting. And you can also send us stuff, P.O. Box 76748, London E99DW. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Okay, now, Rob, who have we got on today? Today we have got Mark Watson, Joshua. Very, very. It was a brilliant interview. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, starts with a anecdote that shows him in a bad light. Yeah, I, I think, think he comes out of it superbly. Yeah, I do feel like you put him under a little bit of pressure here to kick off the interview. One, we we mess up the start, and then you just remind him of bad parenting to really put our guest at ease. So. It's my new it's my new thing, Rob. I'm turning this into Frost Nixon. I'm really going to grill people over their parenting. I'm actually getting um some money from social services to really check if these people deserve to be. Oh parents. right, just a double checking. Yeah. Oh good, good on you, Josh. Good. good to, am I getting any of that money, or is that just you? No, but you are getting a knock at your door in around three or four hours. So it's something to <laughs> look right. forward to. I'll go and sort that out. All right, here's Mark Watson. Hello, uh, Mark Watson. Sorry, hello. Rob. That it's was right. a, a lack of understanding. It's very yeah. difficult to judge who's going to do the intro when you're both not looking at anything. No, exactly. I was waiting for you and you was waiting for me, but uh, we, we ruined it a bit there, didn't we? I would have done the intro if I'd known. I just, it doesn't really... <laughs> would you quite... like to do the intro, Mark? Yeah, I think I'd love to guest as a... As a host here, it's not, not yeah. really my place to do the intro normally, but you guys always have to do it, so why not just take the weight off a bit? Exactly. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, that'd be great, yeah. Yeah, go on. Well, this is the... Now, hang on a minute. What's it called? Lock, uh, Lockdown Parenting Hell podcast? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
Welcome to the Lockdown Parenting Hell podcast, normally with Rob Beckett and Josh Riddicombe. Uh, but today the guest is Mark Watson and I am also the host as it stands. <laughs> Not clear if Rob or Josh are even going to do it or if it will be a 40 minute monologue. Actually, <laughs> We'll find out. Oh, thanks for coming on, Mark. Really appreciate it. I've, I, I, before we go on, Mark, and we will get into stuff, I need to start with an anecdote about your parenting. Oh dear! I, I mean, this almost. Do you know never, what this is going to be? I don't, but I don't like the sound of it because right. uh, if so, you look across the spectrum of anecdotes about my parenting, very few of them go well for me. <laughs> well, I'd say add it to the list. Oh, uh, good. Well, you can. So I'm quite hungover, and I uh, Plymouth Argyle are playing away at Bristol Rovers. Ah, uh-huh. yes, we meet I'm, on a train. Well, we don't quite meet on a train, Mark. I get off the train at Bristol Temple Meads, and I'm walking across the, along the platform. And out of the train falls an empty pram, <laughs> crashes onto the platform. Uh, uh, to be fair, we meet on the train is giving me more credit now than the, <laughs> the anecdote is starting to have in store for me. And then I think I should pick that up. And I pick it up and I look and you're carrying two children and a look of panic on your face. <laughs> and I, at that point, I didn't have children and I, I didn't realise how stressful that situation must have been. Yeah, um... I mean, first of all, the look of panic on my face is just, that's sort of a given anyway. Uh, Anyone that's ever seen me in their lives will know that. But it's true that uh, as panic-inducing situations go, a a pram falling out of a train is, it's certainly the sort of moment where you think, well, I hope no one is surprisingly here that I know and has witnessed that. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't look great that that pram's come out, I thought to myself, but unless I know a travelling Plymouth Argyle fan, we're all going to be fine. (laughs) Who may or may not have a podcast about parenting in four years' time. That's the unluckiest thing of all. We couldn't have anticipated this podcast at that stage. But actually, I mean, you've got to accept now that if anything goes wrong in front of another comedian, that, you know, there will be a podcast. It'll always catch up with you. You're right, Josh, though, actually. I remember um, that incident being funnier for you than it was um, for me. And I, I quite often look at people without kids, as you probably now do, and think, uh, not in a vindictive way, but I just think, um, in five years' time, you'll, you'll see things in a, a different, yes. m- more negative light. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, before we start recording, you did say it's a good name for the the, uh, the podcast because parenting is hell. It's awful and really hard. I think quite a lot of it is, yeah. And obviously, in, in normal times, people put a lot of... I mean, oh, don't get me wrong, love the kids and love having them and everything, but um, people do tend to put a lot of positive spin on oh the trials of it. It was like, oh, it's been a bit of a challenging day or, you know, yeah, there's shit all over the walls, but, you know, that's <laughs> part of it. But, you know, if there's been one thing that's been yeah. refreshing about the lockdown, it's that oh. it, most parents I know are, are no longer doing that sort of PR. Yes. They're just yeah. holding their hands up and accept it. That's what's nice about this podcast. For the it's year, a sort of amnesty on it. Yeah, the PR spin for years kids have had. It's like the Trump administration, just like fake news, all that no sleep and <laughs> the rubbing shit on your face, fake news. Yeah. yeah unbelievable. It, yeah, I think probably, you know, these last six months have, have uh, found out a lot of people who were previously painting a really positive picture of yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, So what's your situation, Mark, if you'd like to just tell us what your setup is, well, parenting-wise? So, yeah, I'm divorced, uh, but I live down the road from um, my ex, and there are two children, a 10-year-old boy uh, and a 6-year-old girl. So before... Um, you never know how to refer to it these days, do you, the lockdown? Before this bit of unpleasantness, yeah. um, we were, the weeks were sort of reasonably equitably split in half, or not quite half, actually. I had slightly less than half 
But uh, nonetheless, it was basically a couple of nights a week at mine, a couple of days a week and so on. And then, of course, uh, the removal of schools really did put the cat among the pigeons. There's no denying it. Uh, it's, it's bloody useful to have schools, really. It really is. Even if they weren't learning a thing, it is ever so handy to have them parked for seven to eight hours a day. I don't think we ever appreciated. I did yeah. a tweet to this effect basically saying, I think teachers should get a million pounds a year. And that was about day three of homeschooling as well. <laughs> so were you doing, how much of the homeschooling were you doing? Were your children going between the two houses in lockdown? Basically, yeah. Which is totally legal, isn't it? I'm not getting you in any trouble. Uh, I think it is, although also, luckily these days, the government themselves don't really know what is legal. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> new rules are drawn up every 24 hours anyway. So, uh, yeah. Is that where, when they get questioned, they go, but what about um, children that are different households? Can they go to, you know, their parents? And, and then the, the, the prime minister of British just goes, yeah, that sounds uh, about right. I, I expect so, yes. <laughs> I didn't read all the way to the end of the document myself, actually. <laughs> I'll try and pass the question to Chris Whitty, if you don't mind. <laughs> he deals with most of it these days. Yeah, it's a bit um, of a nerdier question. Let's let, let that guy have a go at it. <laughs> yeah. Because it's been fascinating to me. That I don't think at the start of this year, Chris Whitty thought he'd be on telly more than someone like Rom Ash. It's been, a, uh, <laughs> it's been an extraordinary year for him. But unfortunately, you know, all of us are just sitting here desperate. And then that guy that doesn't even seem to want to be on telly is monopolising it. <laughs> It'll do Strictly in a few years. Without doubt. He yeah. must have been close to Strictly this year. Yeah. Oh, the balance on balance in the cha-cha. Hey! <laughs> oh, that's funny to think about. Actually. Valance versus Witty slammed down for the Strictly oh, final. The dance-off. It would show you how different the world has become. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the kids were sort of going back and forth and we basically said, I'll try and focus on certain subjects. You try and do certain other ones. Um, the school were very good and they produced loads of resources, um, uh, you know, and also lots of friends and relatives. There was a, there was a period of optimism in about, um, I suppose, April, early May, where everyone was sort of pulling together and people would send you like an, a fun educational quiz about dogs or something. And um, that would do. We also started doing the, the Joe Wicks uh, as PE, all the, for a, a few weeks, there was a genuine sense of the school timetable being pulled off in the house. And then by about the middle of May, it was just a case of Google a picture of Christopher Columbus, look at him for an hour, that'll do. <laughs> That's history. And you mean the director of Harry Potter as well, not even uh, the guy that discovered America. No, that's right. That's right. Film studies. As... Um, as May and June went on, there was more of an emphasis on things like film studies and food studies than I would have expected <laughs> yeah. you'd normally get on the curriculum. iPad observation lessons and stuff like that. Yeah, there was quite a bit of IT. <laughs> <laughs> Streaming's the future, so especially you know how it works. Yeah, it went from um, even even the 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 cooking, what what you could grandly call home economics. In the first few weeks, we taught them to like taught the kid to make a simple pasta dish, did a little bit of baking, and then. By week six, again, it was like, uh, find a peach, eat it. I'll do. <laughs> you, you, I mean, I think you, this won't be news to you. You are, I would see you as a kind of warrior with a W O R R I E R. Well, because of your West Country accent, I thought that was a compliment in the end. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. 
How do you do you worry a lot as a parent, or is that where you find your uh, uh, finally relax? Yeah, I worry about it loads, just because uh, the the things that I tend to find the things I tend to fret about are things which I feel I'm sort of not capable of doing well, or things that are beyond my control, basically. And mm. you'll know yourself when you've got kids, uh, almost everything falls into the category of things I can't control. Yeah, um, but. I suppose I would say in this period, if anything, I don't know if I'm worrying less or everyone else has just gone mad, so they've caught up with me. But um, <laughs> like the bar for how the bar for how mentally weird you are meant to be is has gone up anyway. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I'm, uh, yeah, I'd say maybe the pandemic has raised everyone to the pitch of anxiety that I was at to start with. So yeah. it's it's a little bit like uh, in football terms, I'm sort of just hanging in there collecting drawers and the teams around me are losing quite a bit. <laughs> Basically, I'm moving up the table just by dint of the other results being in my favour. Um, because, you know, the, the the parameters for life are mad now anyway. Even very capable parents have gone more or less crazy. So, I, yeah, I almost look better by... Yeah. Plus, I think, yeah, a, a lot of the things that I used to worry about were like, have I got their school uniform ready? Are they... Have I remembered to take them to this party? There's just so many, the tasks really pile up, don't they? Basically mm. being a parent is like a, an endless game of Taskmaster, but with no kudos attached to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but again, now, well, firstly, now almost everyone's been on Taskmaster. Um, and secondly, <laughs> uh, even the best parents I know are just visibly beaten down by things. So yeah, I, I feel like, and also that goes for um, my mental state in general. I think, uh, so many things happen every day now that you can't control and don't understand anyway. I've almost become more relaxed because you sort of start shrugging and thinking, well, let's see what happens. I've never yeah. been very good at being Zen about things, but you, you have to be in this period because yeah. you, you don't know what the hell you're meant to do anyway. And um, how was you when they were little, the kids? Did, was you like a natural dad or did you find it quite nerve inducing and stressful and you learned to, 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 to get, to get into it, you know, because I, I found a... it really stressful trying to do the right thing all the time when they have little babies because they're so fragile. Yeah. I think whether I was a natural dad or not sort of can be answered by that vignette of me throwing a pram onto a train track. Really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if, you had to, if you had to sum me up in one anecdote, that isn't too far off. Um, Similarly, Alex Horner's got an anecdote he sometimes tells about uh, a time when uh, we both had very small kids and we, for some reason, we must have just been on some sort of mental safari. We took him to, um, so we both decided to take them swimming. Horn had a pool near and I had to try and get my son into a swimming costume and myself. And long story short, both me and him were crying at the end. Um <laughs> And also, and I don't blame Horn for this directly, but the pool was uh, bloody freezing. So we only lasted about three minutes in it. There was a lot of that in the first couple of years. Just, just I found it just, I think I expected it to be um, pretty hard, um, <laughs> but it was still 10 times hard. I think that's the tough yeah. thing about early parenting. Everyone tells you it's going to be difficult and you sort of think, oh yeah, I'm sure it will be, but they, they, they don't focus on the right things necessarily. They... Um, like they told you about how you're going to be tired, sleep deprived, and stuff, and that is true. But that's that's only the beginning of your problems, really. I, re I remember this is uh, must have been I had I had both the kids, and I was going somewhere very far north with them, and I just remember um, 
getting to, it was at Preston Station. I remember looking out the window and thinking, I, I could leave the train here and neither of them would react in time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to. It's just, it's important to remember that I, I do have, I will outsmart these two here if I do that. I, there'd have been a lot of consequences and I'm glad I didn't do that now, disappear yeah, into the, I, into I, the I, Lancashire yeah. night. I feel you would be quite a... a a toxic guest for this podcast mm. had that been a uh, thing you'd done i think there would have been controversy if i'd uh if i was known as someone that had abandoned my kids in lancashire I'm, yeah i'm not saying we wouldn't have booked you but i'm certainly not sure i would have started with the train station yeah. anecdote no i'd come with more baggage if the main yeah. thing people knew about me was that i'd once left my children deliberately on a train <laughs> yeah yeah also as well like to be, to, to be fair it was preston if it had been somewhere else you may have gone do you know what I mean? But it's got to be really bad to abscond to Preston. <laughs> it looked quite dark and, and rainy. and But part of that was part of the appeal. I thought, well, you know, I could just vanish here easily. <laughs> I, I, I must have friends somewhere in this city. I can, or, or town, I suppose. But yeah, it was, you know, there were a lot of those, yeah. a lot of those moments where I thought, and it's just like, um, I, I said this on Twitter recently, but when the second kid came along, the girl, there was this, I think the least helpful thing you can say to a, a parent on the cusp of kid number two is, oh, once you've got one, two is fine. It's just the same. I, people make out that it's not no. twice as hard, but obviously it is because it's another human. I said this on, again, I tweeted this recently. People make out that if, you, if you've got one kid, then it's easy to have two. In the, but to me, that is like saying, if you can drive a car, you can drive two at the same time. <laughs> or if you can operate a machinery then you can operate the machinery and also play chess at the same time it's um and i imagine if you have three kids it's it's you know as hard exponentially again this idea that you just throw more kids into the mix and it gets or you almost don't need to worry about it is absolutely bonkers what do you depends who you are horn again horn's got three yeah young boys and he's unbelievably good at it you watch all three of them going dad 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 and he's, it reminds me of a press conference he's just like <laughs> constantly whirling around changing direction he, some people are just very good at it but yeah to be fair well horn was always gonna be good at it i mean um horn he, has we, that sort we, of we interviewed him and i did feel like he was he had a bit too much of a handle on the situation oh for yeah my taste. I was furious. oh it, it's it's yeah he's a very bad parent to watch in action really because he's um <laughs> sort of demoralizingly good it's the equivalent of following someone really really good on stage you think well <laughs> where am i gonna go after that i don't know if you've seen um uh have either of you seen the movie sing um oh uh, yes you uh, yeah you will yeah, basically the animals yeah that's right so there's a bit where that um uh there's a sort of overworked housewife pig character and that's got like 40 kids, as you'll remember, Rob. And um, yeah. she she needs to escape to do this X Factor type audition. So she sets up a contraption that automatically feeds and washes uh, all 40 of the kids and talks in her voice without her absence even being detected. A little bit like a Wallace and Gromit type mm. uh, contraption. Basically, Horn is the closest I've seen in real life to that pig. <laughs> <laughs> if there's anyone you would back to create a machine which was able to look after children for days at a time, it's probably him. Yeah, <laughs> he's not who you need close to you when you're starting out in parenting, is it? No, and he, he was slightly ahead of me as well. He had his oh, uh, first kid Mark. before need, me. And yeah. also, I'm friends with um, uh, Tim Minchin and his wife, Sarah, as well. And they, again, you know, obviously Minchin is one of these people that can look after two kids, uh, write a 
half of a musical, fly a plane, invent a new type of pate like in, in a day. <laughs> so, you know, perhaps unlucky that a couple of my best mates in the parenting world were, yeah, just really, really good at it. I could have done with befriending someone that was an absolute dick earlier on someone that was rubbish at it yeah <laughs> i'm still in the market for p- friends that are bad parents by the way if anyone's listening um you've got you've written a book mark while so you say you don't do you're also someone who's always kind of doing stuff and creating stuff and so your book uh, contacts which is out basically three days ago or four days ago so you've been writing that while in lockdown with children how are you doing that um, well, Could I just say, well, I uh, Richard is- Curtis says, I prefer Mark Watson to Leo Tolstoy, both as a novelist and a stand-up comedian. So yeah, what and a it, quote that is. It is a nice quote. Um, it's, it's come quite a lot too late for me to really rub it in Tolstoy's face. And, um, <laughs> I, um, yeah, it's, I think when... Are you writing in the other room to your children when they're in your house? I think when literary history... You know, when the dust settles, Tolstoy will still be regarded as the greater author. But let's see, shall we? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who's the better father? Well, it's him again. But well, that's that's neither here nor there. Actually, uh, Tolstoy had a lot of kids, and he did. Uh, he basically made his wife keep knocking them out, and he, he at one point he wouldn't let her have a nanny or a wet nanny. I know a bit about Tolstoy as luck would have it from my degree. And he was um he was one of these guys that has a, like about eight kids, but doesn't have much to do with them until they're big enough to be cute Tolstoy right. uh, and obviously he was mostly just writing really really long books um is much longer books than mine so he was basically permanently in lockdown with someone else looking after his kids um so I think that um if there's been a worse father in history it's probably him but nonetheless I did have to um I had to write in a different room for the kids but actually mostly I didn't get it done while the kids were in the equation I think I think most people have found it's nigh impossible to to have creative projects and kids i, I was going to say is, during lockdown actually forever um, i just <laughs> i think it's it's impossible like it's difficult to work in the same house as a child it's phenomenally Even- hard at the best of times and of course famously these are the worst of times um, <laughs> so what i what i've been doing is uh the, all of the i mean i had done written quite a lot of the book by the time all this began but there still was a fair bit to do and i basically started uh just getting up really early i've never been much of an early riser but i started trying to steal extra hours at the start of the day because oh wow I, I what, knew, from your kids uh was sort well, of, not from your kids but had you were getting up before your children yeah and then uh one or if they weren't in the house i would still maintain those kind of getting up hours like as if they were so basically i've, I've become a morning person which is not how i ever wanted what time were you getting up well like half six or seven or something would then give me a couple of hours. The kids are older these days, of course. I was going to say older than they used to be, but that's how it goes, isn't it? Um, <laughs> that's very much how time works. these days, kids, aren't they? <laughs> so it's not as if they're like, it's not as if they're up at stupid hours. But basically, I've I've uh, I've managed to sort of adjust my body clock so there's a couple of potential working hours at the very start of the day because oh God. once everyone can't imagine that. Can you imagine that, Rob? Well, no. I couldn't awful. have a, a couple of years ago. I would have said, if 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 I was voluntarily getting up at seven half or seven, it could only be that um, I my personality had been rewired. But what I didn't yeah. bank on was that there could be a major to come back to it again. Pandemic. <laughs> uh, I think it's period like, of unpleasantness. There's been, to put it politely, quite a bit of unpleasantness, and um, <laughs> I think it's. I mean, you'll both know with kids, you're. Um, 
at your the time that you have to be you is like dramatically reduced. Yeah. And I don't ever want to resent them for that. But obviously you do. So um, <laughs> yeah. I feel like if I can make myself get a couple of hours in before they even are in the equation, then I don't feel quite so annoyed or resentful or whatever if I'm um, yeah. then picking yeah. up after them. But again, no, no. I'll say again, it's not pleasant. I'd, I'd much rather not regard the hours from 6.30 to 8.30 as, in inverted commas, my time. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just what I've had to do to survive. I, I continue to be of the opinion that, you know, these people that actually actively like morning and they're like, oh, it's the best bit of the day. I've yeah. got everything done by 10 o'clock. Those people are still psychopaths in my view. Yeah, I'm yeah. doing this under duress, not out of choice. And especially when you're working late most evenings, you won't, you know, sometimes you're still on stage at 10, 10.30 at night to then get home and then write that early in the morning. It's, I find my body clock, it's changed because of the pandemic, but um, well, it hasn't really, obviously exhausted in the morning, but I find I'm better at night than in the morning, you know, when you're gigging all the time. So I always have been. Uh, yeah, I've always preferred the night because you've got a certain amount of adrenaline still from the gig, haven't you? And yeah. You're, I, I used to work quite productively very late at night. Um, but then on the other hand, not that many gigs these days, are there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a bit more free time in the evening. Hard to put um, your finger on it, but the diary looks different somehow. Rob, you, you can get your two hours before your kids get up. So all you need to do is what, set your alarm for 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got four till six yeah, to yourself. Yeah, four, four till six. Obviously, sometimes they go for about half five, but, you know, I could always miss half an hour of my me time. <laughs> yeah, that's the trouble. If your kids are a certain size, it is impossible to... Oh. It's impossible to outmanoeuvre them unless yeah. you just don't go to bed in the first place. Especially how your kids are 10 and 6 now. So what 10 and 6. Well, they getting up now. The sleeping situation is a lot better now. The kids mm. are starting to be of an age where they understand that sleep is the most blessed thing we have in life <laughs> rather than some sort of inconvenience. Um, and the 10-year-old in particular is old enough to... Uh, he now has the common sense to wake up and just watch TV or do something rather than leap out of bed and demand to be entertained. So it does that, that bit of it does get better. Um, yeah. I remember when they were small and that bit where they possibly nap in the afternoon... And then if if that doesn't happen, you more or less want to kill yourself. That, that, that period is behind me now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how, how but the, the flip side is the evenings are off limits because their idea of when they should be going to sleep, oh, of course, is okay. like, I mean, a 10-year-old is basically a teenager in terms of how much he demands to stay up. So, yeah, again, the routines of the day just get shifted. Um, yeah. I think I'd take my evenings over... If you offered me to lose... Two hours of the evening to my daughter staying up, but I gained two hours in the morning. I think I'd prefer to lose the time in the morning still. Yeah. But the evenings are. I don't have the. I can't offer you that anyway. I don't control it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, but with the. So, obviously, the, the kids splitting times between the two houses and stuff. Do you ever sort of clash slightly on the, on the parenting? And is it harder to sort of like you know, agree on how, how it should be done when you're not, you know, there together the whole time? It's or, or certainly it quite not smooth. Yeah, um, of course, kids are quite good at exploiting. Again, in football terms, they will they will slip between the two central defenders. They'll, <laughs> you know, they'll tell my ex that that we oh yeah we did that at dad's house and vice versa. But it, we, we have to co- cooperate to sort of put the pieces together because the ten year old in particular is a sophisticated uh, sort of cheat. Now he'll always like claim yeah. that he gets certain privileges at the other place or that he's already done his homework there or. You have to be. You have to both have your mind switched on to stay, to stay ahead of it. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah. There has to be a lot of cooperation. And sometimes I've got better at just accepting that I, it's not going to always go well as well. Yeah. Um, 
Because we have a lot so, of people emailing and solicitors and stuff that are sort of separated and have to, the kids split time between yeah. the two parents. And it, it always it strikes me, it must be so difficult. Even if you do have a good relationship after you've separated, um, it's difficult to make you know make sure they're all telling the truth and stuff. But if you didn't get on that well with your ex, it must be impossible if there's not that you know because some yeah. some you know some cars you know, friends of mine growing up and you see that they'd like have to be dropped off at the end of the road type thing and then there's, they don't actually see each other. The, 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 you the, said the, to me, the, Rob, the, didn't you, that the only reason you're staying with Lou is because it would be such a nightmare to be divorced. That oh, was yeah. the word you used. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely right. I don't money wise, uh, especially. Yeah. Oh, I tell you what, that it is fiddly. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't 100% recommend the process uh, if, if you can avoid it. Um, and we, we were kind of, it was a little bit acrimonious for a while. We were never quite at that, leaving them at the end of the road stage. But um, things are sort of reasonably equitable now. And even if they weren't, you'd, yeah, you'd have to make them because your, your mental energy for like fighting people is almost zero when you're also fighting with uh, the world the way it is at the moment, Yeah, I think. Yeah. So in some ways, all of us have learned to get better at like all of the interpersonal relationships have had to get better because otherwise you just can't you can't manage. Yeah. But that takes mental energy as well. And there are days when you sit there and think, well, I just I, th- I think it's a case of have a glass of wine and forget about everything here. Yeah. And by a glass, I'd mean quite a large glass. <laughs> potentially. Do you, and do, do you like um, what's it like? Like when they're not there and then they turn up. Like so, you're because you're getting half. You're seeing them for half the week. Yeah. So does it feel like you're living kind of two different lives in a way? It really does. Sometimes uh, when, especially because uh, the like my uh, partner and I run sort of a production company as well mm. from from this house. Uh, so a lot of the time there's there is kind of there's a lot of work going on. Things feel orderly here. Everything feels you know feels more or less like being a, a proper human being. Um, and then you're aware that within 15 minutes of the kids being in the house, uh, it will be it will resemble a circus more than a workplace. Yeah. And um, you know what I've tried to get better at is not bracing myself too much for that. If you if you if even as you're picking up the kids, you feel tense, thinking, "Oh Christ, here we go." Uh, that is not a good thing to project to them, probably. Mm. No. So these days, I try to um, kind of accept like mentally accept the chaos it's like I tell you what is a bit easier is is being able to take them to you know cafes or to the yeah. cinema and the worst bit for me was when there was literally no building outside your house that it was legal to to set foot in yeah. um, <laughs> at least now i feel like not everything has to be in the house but you're right josh it is basically like for the last few months i felt like um the the halves of me that are and aren't looking after the kids are almost two separate people there's a person that um can get quite a number of tasks done in a day. And then there's a person that has to cower in a toilet to get a single email away. (laughs) (laughs) If if you're parenting these past six months and you don't regard your bathroom as the office, then you're doing better than me. (laughs) What a place. A door door with a lock on it has become so, so valuable in this period. Mine's mine's worked out the old 10p trick though, where you can just undo it for the other side. Is that a thing? Yeah, you know, like if it's one of those locks where it's not a key, it's a little like. Oh, like it's a, a turning thing. Like a turning, like a little turning knob. On the other side, there's a little slit, like for a screwdriver, a little. T- you could get a 10p in there and turn it. Wait a minute. I don't think. 
I don't think I'll allow them to listen to this in that case. Yeah. Well, I mean, they probably shouldn't be for all sorts of reasons, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you should be publicising knowledge like this, uh, Rob. This sounds borderline criminal for yeah. me. Well, yeah, I mean, yes. I, I mean, I wouldn't endorse it, but it, it can be done. You haven't exactly distanced yourself from it either, though. <laughs> <laughs> So how do um, you sort of do Christmases and stuff like that then? Do you sort of have a year with the kids or a year not with the kids? Or is it, is it sort it, of a bit It more took fluid? a little bit of time to work it out. And uh, mm. the past two years we've done uh, Christmas Day itself with our respective new setups. And then we've done things all together on Christmas Eve and Boxing Day. Oh, nice. Um, for the past two or might be three years, it's been Winter Wonderland on uh, Christmas Eve and then Pantomime on Boxing Day. Oh. Uh, but of course, who are you playing in the pantomime? Oh, just a set of bit parts for me. I, I, I've, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, Chris Whitty was the lead, obviously. <laughs> um, and it is nice. And that kind of Christmas Eve Boxing Day, I then tend to take them to my parents later in the in that mm. bit between Christmas and New Year, where mm. it's a case of right, what do we do now? Um, but all of this is sort of hanging in the balance, isn't it? I shouldn't think there'll be pantomimes, and I'd be very, very surprised if Winter Wonderland is allowed to happen because no, that's basically. No- not happening. There you go. I mean, I think that's probably sensible because that is essentially 40,000 people in quite a small field. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them are pissed on mulled wine and German sausages. I mean, the more I talk about it, the more disappointing it is it's not happening, actually, because yeah. Winter Wonderland does sort of look like a hellscape, but it is a great place to entertain kids for so four So what hours. happens at a Winter Wonderland? I've never been to Winter Wonderland. Well, it's, if you haven't got kids, there's, it would be a weird decision to go, I think. Um, yeah. But basically, it's a big old like a theme park. Uh, so you've got your Helter Skelters and those rides that someone like me looks looks at them and immediately throws out, like awful yeah. looking rides. But then there's also this um, either German or fake German uh, market with booze and sausages and stuff like that. Um, so it is it's quite a good park, place. It's in Hyde Park, isn't it? It's yeah. all in Hyde Park. Okay. And uh, traditionally it gets so muddy that it's more like being at Glastonbury. It's... Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, it's quite an unpleasant experience, but it is a place where the kids can have quite a nice night and you can get quite drunk, in all fairness. Um, <laughs> guilt-free. And those are the... As close to guilt-free as you can be, getting pissed yeah. with kids, yeah. Um, so, uh, and also, if you go, like, in the afternoon and evening, it obviously gets dark, it's Christmassy, it has that sort of... It's the sort of thing that you are aware that the kids are... Um, they're forming nice memories, even though you're looking around thinking, well, there's too many idiots here and that was just 14 pounds for a mold cider there yeah it's so <laughs> expensive isn't it it really is the actual i don't know how much the actual tickets to it cost but as soon as you get through they've absolutely got you um oh, yeah. you come away having had quite a nice christmas experience but you're about a grand down yeah. um when rubbish went to see mr tumble at wembley arena with his kids obviously and it was like at 10 quid for a 12 inch hot dog and he's like do you do a smaller one and I was like no is that, is that three year old it, it's absolutely 12 inch hot dog that you weren't eating any of those kids arena shows are unbelievable I took my kids to Paw Patrol live at the O2 um, <laughs> I know which is a, the bleakest sentence I've ever said like? uh, well so, have you seen Paw Patrol yes they're big yeah. fans in my ass right well imagine that but shit um <laughs> Imagine that, but instead of sort of a lovable animation, it's just people, you know, pretending to be dogs. The, the main thing with it was, is uh, it wasn't the O2. It was when it was again Wembley Arena. Um, <laughs> it was the sort of place that, you know, 
10 years ago, you might have seen Arcade Fire. Now you're watching a bunch of blokes pretending to be dogs. And um, <laughs> being going to stuff on that scale, like going to music venues, but to see kids stuff really oh. reminds you of how your life has changed, I think. Um, yeah. Like you're thinking last time... What happens in Paw Patrol Live? Sorry? What happens in Paw Patrol Live? It's just like, how long... It, how... Oh, I, I can I can summarise so... it for you very easily, Rob. Hardly yeah. anything happens in it. Um, you, you basically... What happens in Paw Patrol Live is everyone responsible for putting on the show makes an enormous amount of money. Uh, <laughs> because as with Romesh's hot dog story, there's like there's any amount of dog merch that the kids all yeah. want. And I course. can't believe the actors are getting paid well. They're not on a door split. I don't think... <laughs> no, it's not, there's not a bucket collection at the end. <laughs> the, um, the actors are... Uh, it should be like that, actually. It should be like a free fringe show in Edinburgh. And at the end, they should come and say, well, I think if, if you'd seen that on the West End, that would have been 45 quid. So if you wouldn't mind putting that in my bucket. Um, <laughs> but this, it's, someone's making a lot of money because not only... So basically, they come out, they do like a, you know, what would pass as an average episode of Paw Patrol, but all of it is uh, they're in costumes and it's done partly by talking, partly by, you know, like voiceover tracks and stuff. There's a few songs and then pretty quickly it's over and the lights come up, and if you banked on passing the, you know, killing the afternoon with your kids, there's this horrible feeling of like that. Is that it? Um, so it works out about seventeen pounds a minute, and um, <laughs> you often get this with shows for the very young kids. It's it, you pay what you pay for a theatre show, and it's billed like a theatre show. But after forty five minutes, it's a case of there's a particular feeling you get when they begin a song which has the look of an end song about it yeah. and you're filled with this cold fear of like hang on a minute let's not start singing a song that goes we've all had a lovely time it's time to leave the theater <laughs> i don't think it is quite you almost straight away you can spot it that, that yeah. all of the cast are on stage everyone is like clapping yeah the lyrics are something like look what look how much we've learned you think hang on a minute this doesn't sound yeah. like a song to go into the interval this sounds like something yeah. a lot darker than that <laughs> well, that's the, thing, the phrase no into interval is absolutely chilling in these situations <laughs> well that's the thing they're, they're not into it for repeat business you would there's no you you are never going to go that, to that again you'd and not, yeah. not, not even if it was amazing you wouldn't go to it again. they've got no interest in repeat business no and also of course they're doing uh in some cases well over one show like that a day oh the day is I, that a triple matinee yeah. it's unbelievable the, the one i went to the day i went to port patrol there were three shows that day all with I don't know, 5,000 tickets sold. It's absolutely, the phrase oh. license to print money is overused, but bloody hell. <laughs> I, uh, there's a lot of people, including us, that I feel sorry for uh, with the theatres being closed, but I, I, I don't know how sorry I feel for the guys running that, really. No. <laughs> I bet they got the massive bail art bailout as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they'll have got 10 million quid to keep doing that, yeah. <laughs> well, normally, we'd earn 8 million pounds, so I think, you know, 10 million with the uncertainty. If it was done on lost earnings, then fair play. Those guys will have put a, a pretty handsome application together. Uh, would... <laughs> Similarly, I went to In the Night Garden live. Uh, oh, when... I went to that. Did you? Yeah. I... Again, yeah, that's right. And it was, I mean... Very nice and everything. I suppose the kids have only got short attention spans. But again, from a parent's point of view, you've barely got sat down before they're starting to yeah. do the old, uh, before your man is returning to his boat. Yeah. yeah. That, um, but that I thought, the um, whether it's the Ninky Nonk or the Pinky Plonk, as if I give a shit, the flying one, <laughs> I thought that was very impressive. I was impressed yeah. by that, that flying thing, whatever the that ni- was. Ninky Nonk is a certain, definitely a headliner there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, whereas a lot of bits of the show a TV show you don't necessarily need to see replicated on stage because it's no. still people talking gibberish 
Um, it's, it's so boring in the night garden. <laughs> I hate in the night garden. I hate it. I, I don't I think, think. Yeah, I think most parents feel exactly the same way about it, and yet its its effect on kids is absolutely miraculous if they get in the zone with it. Yeah. Um, but it's my daughter more... defaults to it whenever she's ill, which is quite kind of weird and kind of she's not interested. And then if she's ill, she wants to watch in the night garden. Yeah, it's it does have a weird sort of lulling therapeutic quality. But if you watch it too often as an adult, you start to feel that you have sort of taken leave of your senses and your personality, basically. Yeah. That's another thing for you two to look forward to. The TV does get better as the kids yeah. get older. You, you, you can, you know, by the time the kids are, certainly my son's age, you can be watching things and think, well, I, I'm sort of enjoying this. It's not purely. So uh, what would you recommend as the big, the best things? You probably haven't, you probably haven't seen Octonauts yet, or have you? Oh, no. yeah, I'm at Octonauts. Oh, that's good. I like Octonauts that. is decent. It's basically these, a, a bit like Paw Patrol. It's this sort of seemingly like NGO type organization made of marine creatures. And it's, it's not clear how they're funded or who pays them <laughs> or like how they came. Like Greenpeace. Uh, yeah, like, like Greenpeace. They haven't even got an equivalent of Marshall in Paw Patrol. There's no obvious boss. There's, there's, well, a guy called Barnacles is a boss, but he himself is like a sort of octopus squid type fella. Um, so they're remarkably advanced for marine creatures. And they're sort of a task force that just go out and rescue like fish that are in trouble. A bit mm. like how Paw Patrol, they go out and solve minor problems. That's why the funding yeah. of it is surprising to me because... It feels like an organisation. I suppose most of them will be furloughed now. Actually, um, <laughs> um, it's Japanese, but dubbed into English, and right. obviously the Japanese are pretty good. So it's incredibly high concept. An average episode, it'll be like, uh, you know, like a, uh, what are those ones called that squ- squirt the blacking, a cuttlefish or something like that, has been caught yeah, yeah. in a coral reef, and three of them go out on a boat, disentangle it, explain to the viewers what coral is and why this thing squirts ink. Um, oh wow! So, uh, so it's it's an educational experience. Yeah, it's, it's a mixture of an entertainment show and just uh, a kind of David Attenborough situation, basically. I've, yeah, I've it's, been learning from it. Yeah, it's it's quite right. you know, as a parent, you do genuinely watch it, thinking, yeah, I wonder what I wonder what jellyfish we're going to see bailed out today. I, I mean, in terms of the dramatic range, it's still not quite an adult show. Like you very <laughs> rarely get one of these creatures dying, which would raise the stakes. No, I was just saying, though, for a live show, because we've, we've slagged off a few, I'd say that Funds and Games, uh, if they're still doing their kids' show, is really funny. That's oh, that was really great, good. yeah. That that's is a really brilliant. good... That's a proper show. So if you, like, I think they used to do it at Surrey Theatre, but so if you want to take your kid... They need to be a bit older, didn't they? Probably about, for about five or six. They I'd need say. to be that sort of age, but not too much older than that, otherwise yeah. they'll start to get the adult jokes, which is most yes, of it, yeah. to be fair. Exactly. It's a classic example of a kid's show that isn't really about the kids at all, which, yeah. Uh, yeah. as we all know, is is, is the best the kind. dream. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that is a great one to go to but compared to those big big ones at the Wembley Arena. Oh, my God. Do yeah, you I take your yeah. kids to Edinburgh Festival, Mark? The last couple of years they have been up, yeah, and they I really loved it. Um, and that does open up a world for you away from the comedy circles that we all operate in because like, I took the kids last year, to, or, well, the last time the Fringe... No, it is last year, isn't it? Yeah. 2020 yeah. has absolutely fucked us, really. I can't it's gone even remember. It's so long, isn't it? <laughs> But back in the, it must imagine have been in the 60s now. Worse. Sorry? Oh I said, imagine if 2021's worse. It'd do well, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what could happen? Asteroid. It could just be more of the same, though, couldn't it? I mean, I don't want to bring us down, but... Oh, no, God, you're right. I think if it was more of the same, that would feel worse because a year of this is probably yeah, enough, isn't it? Um, 
Well, let's get let's get back on the hire. How was Edinburgh? <laughs> back in the days, back in I think it was 1978 when I first took the kids to the festival. It was a much better time. We used to do stuff like you, you go to like beatboxing or like hula hooping or you know dinosaur related show. You go to stuff that you wouldn't have dreamed of going to before you had kids, and so you were introduced to this whole world of uh, other stuff. Some of which is uh, shit, obviously. But <laughs> yeah. if you if you're lucky enough to know, you know, a lot of our fellow performers do kids shows themselves. And some of them are great. Would you ever consider doing a kids show, or as an author, have you, would you would you do a kids book? Well, I've never felt like I. When I watch kids shows, I'm astonished that people can do it. Really, because there's there's just yeah, so how much... do they look in the mirror? Have some respect for yourselves. That's exactly. What I always think. For a start, you normally end up covered in like you know toilet roll or ketchup or blood. Um, <laughs> for, and also the I mean, I think if you're a stand up, you are quite hypersensitive to people being like fidgeting and chatting. But in a yeah. kid's crowd, there's nothing but that, of course. I think it must be hard to turn off the instinct that's just like, hey, what are you talking about? Oi. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> if it's a five-year-old, it doesn't go down as well, I think. Um, so there's that background hum of noise and it, the room smells of like sandwiches and crisps, and uh, <laughs> which to be fair is still a lot better than what some fringe venues residually smell of. <laughs> but yeah, I think... But also, I think it's a real skill. Every time I see it done well, a kid's show, I feel like, how did you know this was going to work? How did you... You yeah. can't do many previews. You, I've seen some masterful ones. So you know Will Adamsdale? Um, yeah. Him and Tom Parry did this Kafka for kids thing yeah. last year where they just adapted Kafka short, uh, short stories for, like, 10-year-olds and under, and it was brilliantly done. But I just... I don't know. I can't imagine how you I think, I think there's start. Probably, it seems... It's like sketch comedy, isn't it? It sounds like it's going to be easy, but it's normally shit. So yeah. I think that's what you've had your fingers burnt so many times where when that's sketch right. comedy or kid shows are good, they are incredible, but it's either incredible or absolute nonsense. Yeah. So and of course, course it makes you wary. It really does. And kids, you know, might seem like they're easily pleased, but as we all know, both oh, from no. comedy and from life, if you're failing to impress a kid, there's, there's no worse feeling in the world. Really, <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been to kid shows where someone comes, out and you know it's just like whoops my trousers have come down ha 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 and the kids look blankly and you're thinking oh this will be a long 58 minutes then <laughs> I, uh, is that all and you can see it on the performers faces you, you, as well you, you can see them all go the thing is mr fox doesn't like to come out unless you make a bit more noise and then the kids half-heartedly make more noise and then there's a fart joke and it's not going well and you can see the performer thinking i imagined i'd be on telly a lot more by now <laughs> There's, there's, as you say, yeah. Rob, there's there's very little worse than watching a sketch show go down the toilet in Edinburgh. Yeah. But if there is anything worse, it's watching a kid's sketch show. For the yeah. Especially if it's like the, almost the worst thing you can see in the fringes. We've all been there as well. Shows where uh, it's a sketch show and there's maybe four recurring characters and all of them haven't gone that well first time out. And there's that moment where for the first time you see a character return and you think, Ah, shit. So this is it now. <laughs> so we're just going to watch six iterations of each of those bad characters. All right, cool. And that's bad if you're on your own. But if you've got two kids that are... And again, kids, quite understandably, will just... They'll just whisper stuff like, is this is this it? Does this get better? Yeah. And quite often that's audible to the performer. Uh, so it's... it's uh, yeah, I can't imagine anything oh, worse than doing I a kid's show if it wasn't going well, yeah, basically. Yeah, that's the worst. The um, worst feeling in the world. I sometimes do think about writing a kid's book because... I've read some that are excellent and, again, some that are rubbish. And sometimes if you're reading a bad kid's book to your kids, you're filled with rage and you think, I could do better than this. Um, but again, And when your kid you know, likes a bad kid's book and you think, I'm losing so much respect for you, 
This is so wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad to be nurturing you, but you're an idiot. <laughs> the plot is so telegraphed here. Of course, the witch is going to end up being a good person. It's. I tell you what is. Uh, yeah, like they're not bad books by any means. But you know the the Julia Donaldson Axel Sheffer ones, like the Room on the Broom and the Gruffalo. Oh, and all you those love ones. them. Are you not yeah. a fan? No, it's not. I don't mind them, but come on, mate. The, the, it's just you know that repetitive rhymes that you get in every chorus, like the yeah. If you read a squash and a squeeze, the I've not yeah. read a squash and a squeeze. That yeah, is basically oh. one anecdote repeated over and over and over again, and <laughs> yeah. it always comes down to. And he said, uh, "Old lady, help me, please. My my home is a squash and a squeeze." Over and over again. Yeah. And the the thing is, there's no denying it, Josh. You're right. They're good books. They're just very well executed in a way that delights the kids but if you're in a particular mood you're like this is bollocks <laughs> but then that what? goes for everything parenting doesn't it? it's not their fault you, you didn't have to have the kids what, what, what i was about those books are though sometimes it's like they everything has to rhyme fair enough that's what you're doing and then the rhyme gets weak like oh mice and nice and you think come on and then it gets a slightly tricky word and they completely tap out you're like Oh, so there's just no rhyme on this page because you couldn't think of one. But you thought, oh, send that to the printers. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes you get that with like, not to be fair, Donaldson really knows her stuff rhyming wise. But there are books like that where, as you say, it's like mice and nice. But then on the second chorus, it's like, uh, and he had a friend called Mr. Grice. And you're thinking, come on. (laughs) Uh, I mean, yeah, like you say, Rob, it it starts to feel like, oh, there's a deadline looming. Was there? (laughs) Especially sometimes there's these ones where, to be fair, like anyone, like me and you, that's a uh, we're performers, we're writers. You've sometimes you see something that's just worked really well as a conceit, and you're just jealous. It's pure jealousy, yeah. basically. Like, uh, do your kids have those? That's not my pony type books. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think no. you might have talked about them before. That's not my pony. He's, you know, his uh, hair too is fluffy. too nice, yeah, fluffy. Yeah. His face is too cute. Whatever. Those guys are knocking twenty of those out a year, and all of them are bestsellers. So of course. I'm angry. Um, <laughs> and it, it started off as that's not my pony, that's not my like puppy, whatever. But now there's so many of them, it'll be like, I, like that is not my artificial intelligence assistant. <laughs> it's answers as too staccato. And th- th- they'll still be selling. Like any, If you come up with something that you can write 10 of them a year like that as a kid's author, you're absolutely away. Yeah, the ones that are zero to two. And then they'll, they'll credit the author and you're like, are you... <laughs> yeah, I mean, the illustrator's doing ninety-five percent of the work here. Yeah, you, you can almost see the email where the author goes, "Well, here it is. There once was a dog. He lived in a bog. He once found a log. He turned into a frog." And oh, that's me, actually. That's fifty grand advance. <laughs> and then the uh, the illustrator opens the email and goes, "For Christ's sake, I can't draw a frog." <laughs> Such a shame. Frog rhymes with everything. <laughs> Um, I think illustrators get far far too little credit in these books. Yeah, there is some, oh, massively. A lot of kids' books are absolutely beautifully done and like gorgeous pictures. Yeah, there's some absolutely – got some uh, eye-wateringly beautiful kids' books. But then all the text is like – he looked into a mirror, then there was a gorilla, uh, there's a building with a pillar, and, yeah, I'm, in, I'm off to Spain now because my work is done. <laughs> Good luck drawing that for six months. <laughs> Uh, Rob, you always like to end with uh, with the same question. This question now is might be interesting to you, so you may want to engage with it or not. But it's normally what the, your, the, your partner, which is currently your ex partner, but the other parent of the children. Is there something that they do with their parenting that annoys you, but you 
you, you're within your rights to say, but it's never been a right time without it kicking off, that something that they do with the kids that annoys you, that you want them to stop doing. I mean, you know, if this is going to open too many cans of worms for you in your current situation, <laughs> it, it, it you might, can take it, a... It might take, well do, quite honestly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can take a bow of silence on this one. You could, you, could choose your, you could choose your current partner. I think I'm going to answer it by saying absolutely every decision they make is perfect. <laughs> and you know what, Mark? I think that's right. I think that's the best... <laughs> The best thing you could have said. Yeah, so I'm glad you asked me, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mark Watson, it's been an absolute pleasure. Cheers, Thank Mark. you. Well, it's been a nice hour off from parenting. Yeah. yeah. Hey, what's, your, what's your name of your book again? Just so people the book is know. called Contacts. and It's, it's called uh... The Frog and the Log, isn't it? <laughs> That's right. It's called Contacts. It's about a man who came up with a plan and he ate some bran and he had a tan. <laughs> If Cheers, we see Mark. that you now produce those books in like two years' time, we'll know that you're doing it in a loveless way. You'll know then that I've accepted that all my other income streams have dried up and it's time to just rhyme a very long series of words and get some poor bugger to draw a goat. Yeah. <laughs> well, good luck with it. I can't wait to read it to my kids angrily. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Cheers, Mark. Cheers, Mark. Thanks Mark. a lot, guys. Good luck with everything. Um, that was amazing. I really enjoyed talking to Mark. It was great, wasn't it? He's he's a love, such a lovely bloke. But I, that anecdote was amazing. The panic in his eyes dropping that pram. I can oh really, my word! I can see his nervous energy. I was so hungover that day. But um, you know, it's better to be me than him at that point. I think <laughs> his book Contact is out now in hardback. So um, you know, buy that for Christmas for the one hour you get to yourself every evening. <laughs> I'm not, I prefer a, a paperback to a hardback, you know. But they never bring out the paperback at the start. What? Why is that? Well, it's because they make more money selling the hardback, mate. So they sell them to the, the keynotes and then, you know, the likes of me and so, you. It's so ungainly. I'd pay the same for a paperback. You can't take a hardback out of the house. I've always said it. <laughs> it's true. You can't you take can't a hardback take... on the train. No, it's, there's no pleasure in it. If you put it in a bag, it'll destroy that paper wraparound bit. The yep. whole thing is an absolute saga. But I would say it's worth buying Mark Watson's contacts in hardback. Which Buy is it in hardback. Or do yeah. what me and Robert done and pre-order it in paperback and enjoy it next summer. Well, yeah, that was a, that was a good one, wasn't it, Mark? It's yeah. interesting. We've had a lot of people asking, um, getting people that sort of are separated and looking after kids. And we do try to as well, but it's always yeah. also difficult where some people may not want to talk about you know, parenting set up on a podcast. But, but I should say, if if you are a comedian and you, you want, uh, you know, to move up the ladder of people that we want to book next, if you could get divorced, that would oh, be yeah. ideal. Anyway, it was a great, great chat. And, it was um, a great chat. We'll uh, speak to you on Friday. Yeah, Friday. Look See forward to then. it. Bye. Bye. Bye.